Well, in 2023, Washington football can absolutely win the Pac-12, but their schedule is going to make that pretty tough. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and beloved conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. Happy Friday and happy to have my man. Roman Tomashoff back on the show, covers Washington for Fan Nation at Sports Illustrated. We can't talk about the Huskies without him, or I would just not be doing all the Washington listeners and viewers out there a uh, a proper service opposite of a disservice and whatnot. I don't really know how to phrase that, but you get the message here, Roman. My man, are we ready to go through this Husky schedule, which has got some really interesting stretches and some some really brutal ones, too? Oh man, Spencer, it's it's really going to be so much tougher than last year. Obviously, I mean, you and I talked about it a little bit before the show. The the first thing that comes to mind when we, we look at the schedule is that brutal, brutal stretch in late October, early November mm-hmm. that starts when they go at Stanford and then immediately they don't get a home game in between. They have to go at USC going into the Coliseum where that team might be undefeated. They might be a one-loss team, probably at the very worst when we kind of look at their schedule. And then at home against Utah and then at Oregon State and Corvallis, that that month right there is going to be just a brutal stretch. And while there's a lot of things to be excited about about the Huskies, just when you take it at face value, you just look at the schedule, you're like, oh man, that's that's not going to be an easy thing to overcome. No, it, it's definitely not. And the good news, though, for, for the Huskies in the early portion of their schedule is not just that it's manageable, so they'll be able to put themselves in the college football playoff discussion, I think, pretty quickly, right? I mean, they're already on uh, a lot of uh, you know media radar on, on that sense, and deservedly so after going 11-2 and two last year and bringing back everybody that matters on on offense you know we talked about a little shuffling on the offensive line but overall should still be solid but you got Penix you've got the two Jalens you've got uh Roma Dunze back that's kind of all you really needed I mean you've got uh Jack Colt back at tight end as well he you know had some nice moments but let's be real it's like did, did you just combine Jack Westover and Devin Culp into I one did, super I person I, 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 I'm, I'm impressed <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see what that combination of person could do Devin Colt Jack Westover back <laughs> at back at tight end but we all know it's about the receivers and the quarterback but can't forget uh all-american preseason all-american left tackle Troy Fautanu yeah. and pro- arguably all-american snub Roger Rosengarten who's going to be excellent as well this season at right so tackle. they've got all the pieces to you know have that sort of season and you have to have the schedule when when you're in the Pac-12 to do that a- as well because though it's a power five conference it's not the SEC or the Big Ten where you could schedule you know three cupcakes the way Michigan has done the last couple of years run through your conference schedule and then be in now if you went undefeated in a Pac-12 play this year it would probably be enough, but I think it helps to have a solid non-conference game on there. So they start with Boise State at home. Nobody in the Pac-12 should ever overlook Boise State. They're off a 10-win season. 
I, I think the Huskies will be fine, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, like the the Kent State game a, a season ago in Seattle where it's just, you know, blow the doors off them. I, I, I get the sense that in that game, Washington will, eh, you know, let them hang around for a little bit and then they'll kind of turn it on and be like, okay, we're not, we're not actually going to lose this game, guys. Like, let's, let, let's relax here. But they have Boise State and Tulsa at home and then at Michigan State. That's the big non-conference game, Roman, in you know, after getting a couple of, of relative tune-ups compared to Michigan State, I think that's going to, you know, ultimately define whether or not Washington gets into the college football playoff this year. I think they have to win that game because I don't think anybody's going unbeaten in Pac-12 play. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. And then one of the big things that I like to look at when it comes to that Michigan State game was because if they can get through that and they get through Cal, who they have at home the week after, if they can get through that four-game stretch right there unbeaten, it sets up uh, – I'm not sure what Oregon's schedule is like. I know it's not necessarily the toughest. And then uh, they get the bye going after that and then at home against Oregon. That if both of those teams are going into that matchup undefeated, that kind of sets up like maybe a college game day situation as Pat McAfee kind of hinted at at on a show the other day. And just kind of having that national spotlight where both those teams probably be top 15, probably going to be undefeated at that point. Just that right there is going to be just such a defining early stretch for them. I do think that they can beat Michigan State. Honestly, I think they can do it handily. One thing that really impressed me about this coaching staff after – the really tough early season losses at um, UCLA and at Arizona State in 2022 is they didn't show any fear on the road. And that Oregon game really did define just kind of this coaching staff's mentality and what they're really able to do once they get everything cooking. And this Michigan State game early on really gives them a chance to do that because once they, after that Oregon game last year, there was just such a different vibe around this Husky team where it was kind of like going after the the two losses. It was like, okay, yeah, they beat Arizona. They're a decent team. Okay, I I can't for the life of me remember who they played the week after, which I know that's my job. And, you know, I just off the top of my head of it. But just kind of once they got to that Oregon game, it just – there was a switch that clicked. It was just all of a sudden, oh, man, oh, this team, this team can really do it. And so having the chance to do that early on in the year at Michigan State – can really set the tempo for what really looks like it could be an excellent season for the Huskies. Yeah, they played Cal after that uh, Arizona yes. game. By the yes, way, it was right. it was it was it was a Cal special. It was just play punch above your weight, just like hang around, be scrappy, and, and just just kind of make just muddy up the game, make it <laughs> ugly somehow uh, make it work. But Washington did win down in Berkeley, twenty eight to twenty one. And speaking that, of does- Sorry, I, I, yeah, I have to ask if, if the Cal special includes that as well. Does it also include Marshawn Lynch dropping f bombs on TV like happened that day as well? Because that that was my favorite part of that game personally. Know. You know, he and uh, I think it was him and Justin Forsett were yes, were yes. on the broadcast, and they were talking about you know, man, what what's going on in Berkeley? Like we used to be packing the house here, and it's just not not like that at this point in time. Uh, unfortunately for the Bears, who everydayers out there know, I'm a uh, high on relative to what their preseason expectations are. I think they're a really solid overbet with that uh, four and a half win total, according to our friends at, at FanDuel Sportsbook. But Cal comes into play for Washington pretty quickly because they are the first conference game and you get them at home. So the first five games for Washington line up as follows. Boise State, Tulsa, at Michigan State, Cal, at Zona, and then the bye 
before the Oregon game. Oregon also has a bye that week. That's meaning right. the hype train, I think, is just going to be going through the roof. Bonex, Michael Penix, Border War, Pac 12 championship on the or you know, potential berth on, on the line at that point. Like, I think it has all the makings for, for a game day game for sure. But the, the good news for Washington is that going into that game, they have a great chance to to be five and zero before they really get to the, uh, the the tough part of their schedule. And the good news for all of you is that if you go place your next order of bird dogs like right now, or I don't know after you listen to this episode, maybe you can get a free Yeti style tumbler when you use the code Lockdown College. So bird dog shorts are great because they are wonderfully comfortable. They look fantastic. They're easy to put on. They fit great, but their versatility is probably the best component that they have. Whether you're going for a backyard barbecue vibe, a day at the beach, a hike, a date, golf course, whatever you want, bird dogs can get you through it, and they will do so with great comfort, great style, and a great look. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and we enter promo code locked on college they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every order that's birddogs.com slash locked on college to get your next pair of summer shorts for everything that you need this summer use the code locked on college to get that free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler as well with every order So the beginning to conference play is not what you would call a gauntlet necessarily for uh, the Huskies. Cal at home, Arizona on the road. Now, wacky things have happened in the desert. Washington fans remember that very well from a season ago with the stumble against ASU, who they'll get a chance uh, for revenge against after the Oregon game. But I, I think a 5-0 and start here is really feasible for the Huskies. I think a win at Michigan State, even if, you know, Michigan State isn't a top 25 team, I think it still legitimizes the Huskies in the sense that if they are playing the way they're capable of and they win all those games, when you have a road win against a power five opponent that's been a respectable brand the last several years off a of five and seven season to be sure. But I think when you do that, it'll put Washington squarely in the discussion where they want to be at that point, which is. Can they make a run to the college football playoff in the final iteration of the four-team format? Oh, no, you're absolutely right. First of all, I have to say, I'm really disappointed you didn't kind of use some Oregon-Washington bird dog to get right <laughs> oh into that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm a failure. <laughs> hey, for next time. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're is, welcome for next that time. That is for next time. That is ne- <laughs> That's next level stuff. This is why we bring them on, folks. Hey, that's, you know, I, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy to help out wherever I can, but um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Going to Michigan state really is going to say a lot about the season. And I do think that they can win that game pretty handily just with the offensive firepower that they show and some of the, you know, the, the, the turnover personnel wise that Michigan state has had over the last couple of months. Um, and just the way that they kind of showed they were able to dismantle that defense last year. I just knowing Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb, they're always kind of cooking up something fresh, something new. And I just feel like they're going to have some kind of really fun beaters for whatever that Michigan State defense wants to throw at them that day. And once once we get into the just kind of the middle of the schedule, you're right where 5-0 and does seem incredibly feasible early on, especially before that Oregon game. And then I really do kind of highlight that, that Stanford game. As I was kind of telling you before the show, just no matter who has been UW's coach 
over the last 15, 20 years. Even though they've won some of those games, they just always seem to struggle at Stanford the, the same way they do at Arizona State, where there's just some kind of curse on the building for the Huskies. And if they can get over that hump once again, and let's say they, they beat Oregon, they're still undefeated going to that, that, that Stanford game, that is going to be such a major test, where Stanford might not be very good this year. We know that. But there's just always something a little extra whenever those two teams get together. And that's something that I know that while it's not necessarily the most, you know, like the, just the, the top of the line game at, on every Husky fan's mind, once they get into that week, they're just going to be like, oh, man, oh, they got to go to Stanford. Just get this through is, it. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's, it's just one of those games where you look at and say, just win. I, I don't need style points. I don't need flash. That would be great. I would love a comfortable win, but just – for what are in the minds of Husky fans, and I think every team, right? Any any Pac-12 fan listening or watching right now, you know exactly who it is for your specific team. You know exactly who it is where you're like, there's just for some reason bad stuff can happen there, and you you can't quite put a a, a finger or a point on on why that is, but that could be the game. So Boise State, Tulsa, Michigan State, Cal at home, Arizona on the road, the bye. And then things really heat up. The Oregon game is going to be big. It should be an awesome, awesome football game. Last year's, though, disappointing for me was if I were to just look at it with non-Oregon glasses, like it was an awesome football game. Oh, it was spectacular. It, yeah, it's one it was, of the best games was, I've ever watched. It was spectacularly good in, in that sense, but not in another for me. But <laughs> you come back home after I that disagree. game. Uh, <laughs> shocker. Uh, you come back home the next week against Arizona State. I don't expect there to be any problems there. You know, you're not going to lose to ASU two years in a row. You're definitely not going to lose to ASU at home. And everybody's going to be out for revenge after, you know, hindsight, the ASU game took Washington out of the Pac 12 championship game, maybe even the college football playoff if they'd been able to beat uh, USC in, in the title game and such. So I don't suspect any issues there. But then, it's that stretch. It starts with the Stanford game, which I think, you know, Washington will be fine. But then to go at USC, host Utah and at Oregon State, I think that even more than the Oregon game in particular is going to define Washington's season. Because Absolutely. I, because you can lose, right? I think they'll be favored against Michigan State, and I think they, I think they should be fine. I think it'll be tougher than it was this past year, but I think they'll still be, be able to get, get out of there with a win. But you can lose that Oregon game, which, which is totally possible, and still make the playoff and still make the Pac-12 championship. And I expect them after that Oregon game to pick up a pair of wins. But then, and and by the way, let's not overlook the Apple Cup, right? We all know crazy oh, yeah. things can happen in a rivalry. Cam Ward's a great player. I think Dickert's a really, really solid coach. But at USC, Utah, Oregon State, 2-1 and one in that stretch would be outstanding but i think that more than you know the the oregon game like the collection of those trio are going to ultimately define whether or not washington gets to the college football playoff next year because you could lose i don't think washington loses all three but i think you could see a realistic world in which you're dropping two of them because two are on the road yes so then you're, you're absolutely right about all of that if they go two and one over that stretch great if they go th three and oh over that stretch Wow. Probably make probably incredible. making the playoff. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If if they go three and oh through that stretch and can get to the Pac 12 championship game, they are absolutely a playoff caliber team. 
And just kind of from the way I've looked at the schedule, it seems like 11 and 1, 10 and 2 is probably the most realistic outcomes when you put the floor around probably an 8 and 4 team. If you know the, some of the bounces don't go your way, like a couple of things did last year. And then just at the very edge of the table, it's there, it's possible, but you really have to reach for it. There's a lot of things that need to go your way. 12 and 0 is on the table. I'm not going to say that it's an expectation. I'm not going to say that it's, you know, even like just over a 1% probability chance that it's going to happen, but it's there and it's going to come. It really is going to come down to that stretch because I think that the only game they're not going to be favored going into this year is at USC. They're they're It's at I, best. I, I could, I could see them being an underdog at Oregon state. At Oregon State, yes, but I think it's going to depend on how they've played in the previous couple of weeks. Could, but Reeser is really tough. That's have, that's absolutely true. They have been nails. They've only lost once, and they should have won against USC at Reeser Stadium in the last two that, years. Yeah. They are, it is really, really tough. I, I think at the very least, that line is going to be no more than like a field goal in either direction. Oh, yeah. no. At, at, at the very best, it's going to be one, two points for for UW if they are favored in that game. But I, I just from the way that I've looked at it so far, USC is going to be the game where they're not favored going into it. And then if everything falls right for both teams, it's going to be another college game day scenario where it's that's could that has potential to be one of the best games of the year in college football as a whole with those two offenses going head to head. Oh, you can see a lot of points. Oh man. You can see that. Yeah. The, the USC game we're talking about, you could see, a lot of points. Now, just slam I, the over. Whatever it is now, just slam it. Well, I, I think that both defenses have, you know, taken some steps forward from last year. USC in a yes. big way, personnel-wise. But still, it, it's it's football in 2023. Offense reigns supreme. And these teams have two great quarterbacks who we've seen produce at a high level. They've got great receiving cores. And they've got brilliant play callers. I think in the Pac-12, best play callers it's Lincoln Riley one and I'll put Ryan Grubb right there at number two I don't know that I'd get a lot of pushback Chip no is, definitely Chip not. Kelly's probably third yep he, he's, he's probably third from a play calling standpoint but I, I I think Grubb is really really smart and you know Washington fans might have to uh th- this is another offseason sort of topic and a bigger discussion but I think they're gonna have to enjoy Ryan Grubb while they've got him because that guy has been pretty open about his desire to be a head coach and if he goes out and is the orchestrator of an offense that puts up you know 35 points a game and Washington wins 9 10 11 games this year again he's going to be a hot hot target on on the head coaching trail he absolutely is and one thing that he's also made clear is he won't leave for just any job he wants to leave for the right job like that's that's the only scenario where that's going to happen and obviously that's a conversation we can have down the line whenever that does eventually end up happening because Kalen DeBoer does seem very confident in a couple guys in-house that would be able to replace him, not necessarily as a play caller, but just that he would trust to run the offense. And that's one thing where whenever that does happen, I think we might see Kalen DeBoer take over play calling, which is something he is definitely capable of doing too. So do you want, do you want to hear my uh, – I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory, but Please. like a master I love plan. conspiracy theories. Okay. I think that at some point the Pac-12 is going to announce San Diego State and SMU will join as expansion candidates. Okay. I think San Diego State is going to be just okay with Brady Hoke this year. They've added some solid talent, but I think if San Diego State were smart, 
they would have just like a solid season that gives them some momentum, but not so much where you feel like you have to bring back Brady Hoke or give him an extension. Or if you have a great season, you let him go take a head coaching job elsewhere. And then you go hire Ryan Grubb for your first year in the Pac-12. That's my like big, just like. It's your Charlie Day. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, here's how it's going to happen, man. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just saying I I could totally see it because he's had so much success on the West Coast, right? He he was with DeBoer at Fresno, yeah? Yes, yes. And then came over to Washington. So the West Coast ties are right there. If you're San Diego State and you are able to make that jump, you'd want to, you know, have a big splashy piece of news. Uh, on the coaching front to kind of capitalize on on that momentum and grub is going to be a top target now maybe grub would have higher end offers right that's 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 entirely possible maybe a big 10 school wants to come after him but it's it's just a thought like it's not the craziest thought right no it's it's definitely not there's there are so many scenarios where you can see something like that happening where because that like that's the one thing where people were kind of like oh would would he take the Arizona State job when that came came available this past offseason and it wasn't necessarily like oh yeah this is probably gonna happen but it was something Dillingham was the right fit there anyway no he absolutely was and that that's that was one one of the things that I I kind of thought about when I when I heard that but it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe that's the right fit for him. I could see him going back to the Midwest since, you know, he was with Kalen DeBoer back in his days at Sioux Falls, too. He's always been with Kalen DeBoer. So there's there are a whole lot of different possibilities for him. And it's just it really is just going to come down to a matter of what does he think the best fit for him is when we get into that discussion. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's a conversation for another day, but I want to wrap up on the schedule here. So at USC, Utah, at Oregon State, that's going to be the defining stretch more than anything for, for Washington this year. They end the season with Washington State, can't overlook the Cougs in, in a rivalry game with what they've done the last couple of years. You know, I, I expect Washington State to be solid, but nothing special. Pretty similar, I think, to what they were a year ago, I like their offensive coordinator hire, Ben Arbuckle, coming over from uh, Western Kentucky. I think uh, there's a good fit there with with Cam Ward. But I, I think overall here, the good news for Washington on the scheduling front, you, you've got a good enough schedule to make the college football playoff if you win enough games. You've got the bye before the Oregon matchup. You miss UCLA, right? It's still got that north-south scheduling rotations. Yep. The teams that you're missing are UCLA, good news. So you get both Arizona schools – and that's a lot better than having both LA schools. The bad news, one of the schools you're missing is Colorado, but Hey, nothing, nothing's perfect, of course. But the only bad news really on there, I think for the Washington schedule is just that, that three week stretch, that that's as tough of three games as you can come up with in the PAC 12, I think. Oh no, you're, you're absolutely right. And then, yeah, because whoever, whoever the PAC 12 schedule makers are who decided to come up with this are doing them absolutely zero favors. None. No, not at all. It's just kind of like, come on, come on, guys. Aren't you, aren't you supposed to give breaks? Like, just, just, just look at every other conference. Look at Georgia's schedule. My yeah, Georgia's schedule is a joke. I, seriously, like, I like, I like, literally, literally, Washington has a harder schedule than Georgia. This is not. I'm not breaking any news here. No, it's you're, you're, you're spot on there. And it's just kind of like, guys, aren't, aren't you trying to get somebody to the, to the playoff? You're not, it, it doesn't, does, doesn't it does, look like it. It does beg the question how you come up with, with that sort of stuff. But I also feel like when you have a league that's as deep as the Pac-12 this year, it's hard to create, you know, a playoff-friendly schedule you're because, right. you know, it, whether you're in the north or south, you're going to have to play at least, I think the minimum 
if you're if you're a contending team, right? If you're one of the the six, I'll throw up the graphic real quick for everybody on YouTube. If you're one of the six teams on the left here, Oregon State, Utah, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, and USC, who have a win total of eight and a half or higher, you're going to have to play at least three. I think is the number, but really, it's you know often four other of those teams and it's just going to be hard to get through and you know get through that without any losses here but i i wanted to wrap up with with this question for you roman what do you think is the best case scenario for for washington with with regards to their their schedule here what do you think is the worst case scenario and what is kind of the key factor that would be playing out if both of those things uh or if either of those things were to transpire so as a Celtics fan, with everything that's going on right now, I'm going to start on the pessimistic side <laughs> that's because that's, that's, that's how I have to live my life right now. So we're going to start on the pessimistic side at eight and four is probably where I see the, the worst case scenario being. And probably two losses in that, that stretch that we just talked about, probably lose to Oregon. And there's a loss sprinkled in somewhere else that's just kind of a bad loss that like a like a Michigan State or a Cal or a Washington State would be the teams I would pick yeah I to pull, that's, an, to pull to pull an upset yeah no absolutely and it's just kind of one of those typical like or the, the, the one that that Husky fans will just scream at, as I said earlier Stanford um it's that because that's just what happens uh but no it's so that in that case we probably see Michael Penix take a little bit of a step back where you know, some teams have watched a lot of film on this Husky offense and they're a little bit more prepared for what's going to be thrown their way and a couple more interceptions, just, you know, there maybe some, some injury troubles here and there. And the defense just is the same that it was last year. While the numbers were good, they, uh, when it comes to just looking at the Pac-12 as a whole, the defense last year was not great. And they will be the first people to tell you that. Oh, they rushed some guys into playing time and just as a whole, it was just not what, the Husky defense in the Chris Peterson, even somewhat Jimmy Lake era was where it was just an elite top 10 defense in the country. So if we kind of see those things, it seems like, you know, it, eight and four would be a more likely outcome. And then we get into the, the, the top end outcome. It is 11 and one, 12 and oh, just depending on two games. And when I, when I say 12 and oh, the two games that I think of that are going to be the huge ones are Oregon and USC. Yep. Those are going to be far and away the two biggest matchups. And that's And by the way, when you're saying 12 and 0 is the high end, that's like everything goes your way. One of the big teams is stumbling or has a major injury, like everything lines up perfectly. Perfectly. Right. Yeah. And I, I, even then, there's there's ahead. still a chance they go 11 and 1. Yeah, I think I think 11 and 1 is kind of the the high high end here. Yes. I I, I can't completely rule out 12 and 0 given how they, you know, lost their their two regular season games. Uh, or their only two losses a season ago, right? It's not as if I mean UCLA, I suppose, kind of had control of that game, and then they made they did, a, yeah. a, a late push. But you don't have UCLA on your schedule again this year, and there aren't that many teams like Utah could maybe push you around, or Oregon could push you around. But you have both those teams at home, so yeah. I don't feel like that's going to be as big of an obstacle when you're on the road. When you look at the road matchups they have, except for Oregon State, maybe. And that's what I was about to say: is the fact that they're getting both Oregon and Utah at home is huge for that. And that's one of the only reasons that I'm thinking about it that way, because I don't realistically think that 12 and 0 is a possibility just because crazy things happen in college football all the time. 
So you can't just kind of say, oh, yeah, that's that's definitely possible, unless you're Georgia and you have that schedule. But, again, we're not going to go down that road. Uh, <laughs> and you're as talented as Georgia is, which that, nobody in the Pac-12 is. That's also true. So, yeah, just kind of getting through that. If they can get through that stretch of probably losing at USC and then beating Utah at home would probably give them all the momentum where I just have this feeling that the Oregon State game is going to be one of those Friday night ones where they – move the schedule like two weeks in advance. Like, yep, going to go down to Oregon state on Friday night, which is just going to be awful. Yeah. Like, I don't want to make that trip. It's going to be a terrible drive. Um, but yeah, that's, I can, I can definitely see them winning that game and, you know, getting through the PAC 12 championship and ending up at 12 and one, depending on who they play. So it feels like a very realistic possibility that we are talking about this, this team as the PAC 12 champions at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think 11 wins is kind of your your upper end there. And I think I, I can't see him going below eight. Like the, the schedule being what it is, like between USC, Utah, Oregon State, worst case scenario, I, I think you're losing two. I, I think it's more likely they'd win all three than lose all three, because especially given that they've got Utah at, at home in there. I mean, having two games on the road, of course, is tough, but I, I, I think that eight wins is the minimum that I see on here. Cause if I were to go with four losses, I think you'd lose to Michigan state, you'd lose to Oregon and you lose two of those three games. But I, I think the Washington team has just got too much talent, too much returning production to, to possibly go, go any lower than that. And I think 11 is uh, probably the high end. And we've always got a high end show with Roman Tomashoff. He covers Washington for fan nation at sports illustrated. He's at our Tomashoff 34 on Twitter. Appreciate your insight. As always, Roman, thank you so much. Spencer, thanks for having me. By the way, everybody, no show on Monday. I will be traveling to a wedding out of town, but we'll be back in your feeds on Tuesday. So until then, appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Have a great weekend. And until Tuesday, have a wonderful rest of your day.